suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Time right, Welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and yes, we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today, we introduce Trial of the Century, Part 23, an incredible length, I agree. Our subtitle will be Strom Thurmond, Mother Teresa, Joseph Smith, Brian Wilson. Oh, my God. And I'm supposed to be talking about Clarence Darrow's closing argument in the Leopold and Loeb trial, the trial of the century. But believe me, all of this appears relevant. Much of it appeared relevant to Clarence Darrow, though, though I must say he didn't cover everything that we're covering. In any event, I am no longer the pilot steering the course here. I have lost control of the subsidiary plot, Abraham and Isaac. And that guy from New York. And the main plot, the main thrust of this narrative, the trial of Leopold and Loeb, the trial of the century. But, but I, I defend myself to a certain degree because this story about that guy from New York, you know, Darrow's deviation from the Leopold and Loeb case and his suggestion, suggestion to Judge Caverly that he contemplate, you know, reflect for just a few moments upon the case involving that guy from New York. You know, this discussion of the biblical Abraham and Isaac legend was not a sleight of hand on Darrell's part. It was no feint. It was not a misdirection of the court's attention. No, no, it was not. I mean, all this stuff, Leopold Loeb, Nietzsche, that guy from New York, the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, um, delusion, messages, orders from God, murder. They, they were all, they were all somehow interrelated and made sense and could be and would be tied together. Soon, soon. Daryl promised. And so do I. <laughs> I promised to bring it all together. I got to add some crazy Mormon stuff and some Catholic Church nonsense first, but it will all come together soon, as you will see. Yeah. Now, the case of that guy in New York and, and Abraham and Isaac, the kill order in the Bible, Darrow argued this stuff was indeed relevant to Leopold and Loeb and their defense. But, but like the complexity of the Amazon River system, in which there are innumerable um, tributaries, they, they at some point in time, they all converge, they all merge. I mean, look at a map. They will all come together, just as the Beatles suggested they would. And when that convergence occurs, they merge, they do merge with such energy and such force that by the time the Amazon River flows into the Atlantic Ocean, the Amazon, the Amazon River does so with such force, such volume, one can drink fresh water 50 miles out to sea. And this is an indisputable fact and has been proven. So once again, re reminding us of the relevance of those high seas of life. Well, let me, move, let me move on. As for that guy in New York transfixed by the 
biblical Abraham and Isaac epiphany. I mean, we'll return to his case in just a moment. We're not going to ignore the decision of the court in the case of that guy from New York. No way. Because it is relevant to the case of Leopold and Loeb. <laughs> I promise. I, I mean, just as I promise, just as did that egomaniacal publicity media hound General Douglas Dugout MacArthur when he ditched out on his troops and the people of the Philippines as the Japanese overran Corregidor. And, and, and he spoke those famous words, I shall return. I mean, just how many people needlessly had to die so that dugout Doug might make good on, the, on his I shall return promise is a subject best left for discussion in a future podcast. But, it, but I point out it is worth, worth discussing someday. In this podcast, this means we shall return to the case of that guy in New York in a moment. But in the meantime, think about this. Just a few months shy of the centenary of the Leopold and Loeb trial, Clarence Darrow truly stood at center court. Now, we, we today, we claim that we live in a much more advanced, much more sophisticated America a far more savvy society where our reliance upon sensitive and power social media allows us the capacity to instantaneously detect and root out and ruthlessly respond to and call out and cancel BS, falsehoods, incivilities, and fraud. And yet it is verifiably true that today there are, there are 17 million card-carrying, you know, practicing Mormons out there who believe 100% in the veracity of every single word of Joseph Smith's impossible fairy tale, the Book of Mormon. I mean, that tale begins, I shit you not, on September 21st, 1823, Almost exactly a hundred years before Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb had, had murdered Bobby Franks. When, according to Joseph Smith, an angel improbably named the angel Moroni had been sent by God Almighty himself as his personal ambassador on a mission of the utmost importance from the far, far away heavens where God resided, directly to a farm located, of all places, near Palmyra, New York, for the very particular purpose of delivering a vital, a key, a critical, an important message from God himself, but only for the eyes and ears of one man, me, Joseph Smith. Hmm. You know... Well, I, 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 for one, wonder of all the people then, then living at that time on planet Earth, at that particular moment of time, why, oh, why would God, he, yeah, yes, he, he was a he, no confusion there, he of infinite wisdom, 
though God, it must be admitted, often does appear to work in very, very mysterious ways. Why had God decided that there existed no man on the planet Earth more suitable to be his prophet, his personal rep, his personal representative to all the other people on planet Earth than the illiterate, womanizing, multi-convicted fraudster Joseph Smith? Why the hell would God do this? Why this guy? Jeez. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt. There, there, there's no doubt. There have been some very weird, very, very weird, barely comprehensible first-round draft choices in the NFL and NBA drafts over the past 30, 40 years. But God's number one draft pick of Joseph Smith as his point guard for planet Earth I mean, still, after 200 years, this is a stunning, mysterious, shocking draft pick, don't you think? By God, it was. Can I have an amen here? Amen. Now, once drafted, I mean, this is the story that Smith said. So once drafted, so said Joseph Smith, he told his, <laughs> his quite surprised, somewhat skeptical, but very, obviously very gullible neighbors about his scintillating late night visitation by the angel Moroni. Hmm. And, you know, and then he narrated for them the uh, seemingly the dubious tale that Moroni had informed him, Joseph Smith, that God, um, 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 in, uh, you know, you know, he had some very important work for Joseph to do on behalf of, well, on behalf of God, on behalf of God. Yeah, and and yeah, and and so he asked me, Joseph Smith, to 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 be the man, to be the man. He put me in charge, and it's I mean, it's gonna totally be cool. It's all gonna be okay, really cool, because. I promise you, God is cool with all of what I'm going to tell you. So, I mean, so listen to this. I mean, Angel Moroni told me personally. He said, God said he was cool with what I'm going to tell you guys now. And we, all of us guys, you guys, me, all of you, God really wants us to all have as many, as many women as we want. Yeah. All of us guys, can you believe this? I, I mean, I know it sounded crazy to me first. At first, I got to admit, I was shocked when Angel Moroni laid all this on me. But, but it's a good rule, don't you think? I mean, when you think about it, guys, this is a great rule. And, and if this is what God wants, many, many women for each of us, who are we to judge God? As many wives as we want, guys. I mean, guys, this is just the way God wants it to be. Angel Moroni, he was adamant. He was very adamant about this point. Absolutely, it was totally clear. And I, and clear. I'm I'm not talking about you know like in a Scientology way either. No, L L R H hadn't even been born yet. I mean, I'll give you guys some more information, some more info on this talking point later. But anyway, back to Angel Moroni. You see, um, well, Angel Morani told me there was this book, you see. And it was a book. It was written on golden plates. 
and it had been buried in a hillside right here. Of all places, I know, just nearby here in Palmyra. And these golden plates contain the fullness of the gospel. Pray to God. They do. And, and they, um, um, they contain the complete history of the ancient inhabitants of the American continent. The golden plates tell us all about American Indians. And this is really going to blow your minds, I know, because it blew mine. Believe it or not, the Indians are, um, they are, well, they're the lost, one of the lost tribes of Israel. They rode across the Atlantic Ocean from the Middle East like 2,000 years before Columbus ever sailed to the Americas. Like more than 1,500 years before the age of sail. I mean, it's crazy. I know. It seems like bullshit, but it's not. I mean, I can see it on all your faces, but it's all true. I felt that way too at first, so I don't blame you, but I'm telling you, it was God whom revealed all this to me through the angel, the angel Moroni. Yeah. And, and these guys rode across the Atlantic. Wow. I, I mean, I was pretty shocked, I got to admit. And, and when I learned that he had put me in charge of this new religion, whew, I don't know. I don't know why, but Angel Moroni revealed to me that God, for some reason, he wants, he wants me, Joseph Smith, he wants me to be in charge of, well, he, he wants me to be in charge of everything, everything. I couldn't believe it. God has commanded me to form the new LDS church. And I think I already told you guys that we have the, uh, you know, we have to practice plural marriage. I mean, I told you that, right? Yeah, I, I already told you that part. Good. Now, I know some of you are, are probably thinking, now, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, <laughs> some of your wives are not necessarily going to take this well. They're going to resist all this many, many women stuff pretty aggressively. I mean, the, you know, but this was part of the revelation. Now, some of your wives might even really be pissed off and get fired up when you tell them about this and that it's okay for us to have many, many women. You know, I, I'd say that, you know, Joseph Smith might have warned his neighbors, his buddies, that some of their wives might even go nuclear when they learn this news of the many, many women thing. But Oppenheimer and his Los Alamos team, they wouldn't be splitting the atom for another 121 years. So nobody, male or female, and that's the only gender they had back in, you know, that existed in 1823. Anyway, they wouldn't be going nuclear about anything. It wasn't going to happen. I mean, some, some fire. Fireworks were naturally to be expected. But Angel Moroni had anticipated this development. And Joseph Smith went on to explain that, you know, in the, this was the way it was in the beginning, but he was clear on the issue. This is the way God wanted it to be. There was, there was not going to be any negotiating with God's will. He had already decided what's done is done. So I ask you, who are we to question God's wisdom? It's not up for debate. It's the way things have to be. Ours is not the reason why. Ours is, well, whatever. Now, I add personally, you know, as your narrator, <laughs> this is my own thought. I am reminded 
of that Nigerian cab driver I once had in Chicago, who like 30, 35 years ago, as he expressed himself to me with the words that follow and, and whose dreamy eyes resembled those eyes so memorably described by Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones as those far away eyes. That cab driver had said to me so dreamily, so many women's, so many women's. And Joseph Smith's LDS elders thought the part of the revelation about the many, many women thing to be a very far-sighted um, action on the part of an all-knowing, all-seeing God. I mean, it was very cool. Now, selling this part of the revel revelation to their wives, I mean, they all agreed. This, this was going to take some some serious thoughts, some serious planning. But God's plan, I mean, it was a good plan. And it was definitely going to be worth the serious effort it was going to require, for sure. Now, in thinking through the meeting of the gold plates, um, the full gospel stuff, the whole angel Moroni appearance thing, the Indians as the lost tribe of Israel rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. Plural marriage. The oddity uh, you know, of the necessity of the special temple garments, you know, the sacred underwear stuff. There's no doubt the new LDS church elders had a lot on their plates to digest, but they were believers. And this is going to be a key point later, you know, when Clarence Darrow talks about belief. But part of this new religion was to determine God's plan for black Americans. What was their role? What might it be? What could it be? What would it be in the LDS church? Decisions had to be made, and they were made. Blacks would be amongst the earliest followers of the LDS church. They could even serve in leadership roles. But church elders were pretty sure, pretty sure, God wanted black guys to be barred from being ordained to the LDS priesthood, and B, from entering Mormon temples where the faith's holiest rituals, rituals would be performed. I mean, that seemed, almost, that seemed obvious almost from day one. I mean, it just did. And, and by the way, this was not unlike the state of affairs that existed more than a century later when U.S. Senator Strom Thurmond from South Carolina publicly pondered and rhetorically questioned thinking white people as to whether they really thought it was a good idea that people of the Negro race be swimming in our swimming pools. Hmm. To the good center from South Carolina, not perhaps being of the quality of Congressman Frank Underwood from Gaffney, South Carolina, so memorably um, portrayed by Kevin Spacey in the Netflix series House of Cards. Still, he was in the U.S. Senate at age 100, and whom at age 66 married 22-year-old Miss South Carolina, and whom never, never publicly acknowledged while he was alive that he had impregnated his black maid when she was 15, and whom gave birth to Thurman's illegitimate daughter when he was 22. The answer to that swimming pool question was obviously, no, it was not okay to have the Negro race swimming in our swimming pools, so said, so thought Senator Strom Thurmond. So what made sense to the LDS church elders, 
made sense in 1823, and it would still make sense to LDS church elders for 155 years until 1978. At that point, LDS church elders changed their minds as to what God's thinking about such theological beliefs meant. I mean, it all gets so confusing. But to help you get your head around belief and belief systems, there do exist out there large segments of the population who appear to be deficient in what author Tom Wolfe defined as attributes that were present in astronauts in our early U.S. space programs because that they had the right stuff. Now, keep in mind that recently the Pope confirmed that women don't possess the right stuff. Well, not enough of it anyway. They lack the necessary wherewithal to become priests in the Catholic Church, a kind of thinking equating the judgment of Al Campanus you know, then the, at the time, the general manager of the L.A. Dodgers, whom during an interview with Ted Koppel on Nightline in 1987, as recently as 1987, stated live on air, I truly believe blacks may not have um, some of the necessities to be, let's say, a field manager or perhaps a general manager. Whoa, whoa, sayonara, hey, hey, goodbye, Al Campanis. Anyway, circling back after this long and winding deviation, as Angel Moroni had revealed directly to Joseph Smith from the mouth of God, and this is the point, 17 million Mormons, mostly in the USA, truly believe God had revealed himself personally to Joseph Smith. They did. And I think it's important to note that I went to Catholic schools for 17 years, and Catholics have their own mysteries to resolve. I mean, how can they believe? Well, true believers believe in the always remarkable, say, immaculate conception, the virgin birth, resurrection, the water to wine business, transubstantiation, and that there exists irrefutable proof, irrefutable proof that Mother Teresa, that little fraudster, she performed miracles. God, this is so crazy. But you, I hope, can begin to see how Clarence Darrell might be beginning to connect all these disparate dots for the benefit of the sitting judge, Judge Caverly, who would decide the fate of Leopold and Loeb. Merging like the tributaries of the Amazon, with great force. Like I said, Clarence Darrell, he didn't actually mention Joseph Smith, but I think the picture should be coming, should be coming into focus now. And until next time, thank you and goodbye, where the stories all begin to merge in the defense of Leopold and Loeb. Thank you. Tropical heaven on the 
did I do? Have I ruined my life? Tell her I've changed, become a new man. I promise I will, and I know that I can. When did the skies change? When did we turn back? How am I ever gonna get myself back? The sea's now boiling, and I'm getting cold. I've lost my sails, got to find a way home. Alone in my boat, I think of my wife. I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life. Years from tomorrow, days from the land. Nothing can save me unless fate lends a hand. Storm, it is worse than life. The wind and the waves are taking their toll I look to the stars, there's none I can see I'm afraid fate, she has answered me Only moments my story will end And there was a story I wanted to send Oh, how I dream for the calm of the sea Smiling back at me The sea is boiling And I'm getting cold I've lost my sails Got to find a way home When did the skies change? When did they turn black? How am I ever gonna get myself back? Alone in my boat I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life When did the skies change? When did they turn back? How am I ever gonna get myself back? Alone in my boat, I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high seas